So I started walking in our neighborhood, started doing cardio in the morning on our machines. And as soon as I started to do cardio and start to melt some fat off, I started to see what I thought maybe kind of, and you had to like squint and kind of hold your fingers together. Like if I squinted and turned my head to the left a couple degrees, I saw like a little bit of an X frame, which is what we call, you know, the physique shape that you're looking for in bodybuilding. And so I took a few weeks of continuing to lose weight just to show T that I I was serious. And then I finally got the courage to say, Hey, do you think you could coach me into a long-term cut and maybe in a year, maybe a bodybuilding prep? I was so nervous though, to say, to say that to him. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by Barbend.com. Welcome to the Barbend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by Barbend.com. Today, we have a repeat guest on the Barbend Podcast, and that's powerlifter turned bodybuilder, Amanda Kohatsu. Amanda is a good friend of mine, and she is delightful to chat with. And on this podcast, we talk about her experience in the past year and a half, transitioning from being an elite-level powerlifter to now a champion and professional-level bodybuilder competing in the women's figure and physique categories. Stick around because we think you'll like this one, no matter your strength sport or strength training style of choice. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me. This is your second time on the Barbed Podcast, so I didn't scare you off too bad the first time. Not too bad, at least. (laughs) Not too bad. Not too bad. Like a five out of 10 maybe would return. (laughs) But we're talking under very different circumstances now because... You've started competing in a new sport and you're, you've just been like a bat out of hell. It's just like every, I think every competition since you took up bodybuilding and physique sports, you've won, correct? In fairness. I mean, that sounds really good on paper, but we have to also disclose that that's only two competitions. So <laughs> yeah, but you're batting a thousand, you're batting a thousand. My average is pretty good right now. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> And actually, in one of those competitions, which I'd love for you to get into, you actually won in two categories. Actually, in both competitions, I won in two categories. Okay. So you basically won, you've won four, you have four first places out of two competitions. Tell us what the competitions were. Tell us what the categories were, because not everyone knows kind of the breadth, the breadth of categories in physique and bodybuilding competition. So. Absolutely. So thank you for the intro. I did a what's called a national qualifier, which is basically a regional bodybuilding show here in Orange County, California um, in November. And that was the Muscle Contest Iron Games. So those are the ones you have to do to qualify for the next round, which is, is the national level where you can then compete to earn your pro card, right? So at the regional level, I decided to 
to enter in two divisions. One is called women's physique. Women's physique is, I would liken it to people who are listening who don't understand bodybuilding on the women's side. Women's physique is like one giant step down from women's bodybuilding, but two big steps up from something like bikini competition, right? So I entered women's physique and I entered women's figure. So it's not, it's not really women's figure. There is no other figure for men, but figure is definitely two, a, a big leap up from bikini, like one big giant step up. You still wear the high heels. Um, you have a new type of bikini for the women listening. You have the bikini that crosses over in the back. So it's not a necessarily like a two piece where it ties or clasps around your, the back of the upper back where a regular bikini would. You can use that same bikini for physique, but physique, women's physique, you do not use high heels. So that's, that's the major difference. The other major difference is you do like the double bicep pose in women's physique and you do a, a floor routine, sem- sort of like bodybuilding. You don't wear high heels. You're on your, your bare feet and you're doing a lot more poses. There's, there's a five mandatory poses, I believe, if I can remember correctly, for women's physique versus the figure. You're kind of doing the, like the uh, sort of like, statue type of poses where you're just in the front to the side and to the back, back to the front, and then you're done with women's physique. You have a lot more posing, more, more bodybuilding style. So I did both. I was lucky enough to take overall in both of those categories in the local division, which then gave me a uh, national, definitely gave me national qualification to go to the next round, which I chose to do NPC nationals, which is the last national show of the year for the NPC. Um, It's also been called the most prestigious. So I was very nervous. Um, That's where kind of everybody waits to go to compete against the best of the best of the year in the amateur level. And when I say amateur, these girls do not, and guys do not look like amateurs. They they come looking like professionals and some of them have been competing for like 10 years just to get to their pro level. That's how competitive some of these divisions are. I was lucky enough in the NPC nationals to enter in physique and again in figure. I won my height class in women's physique, which qualified me to have an IFBB pro card in women's physique. And then I won my height class in figure, also got my pro card. And I was also fortunate enough to get the overall in figure, which is a huge prestigious honor. That makes me the overall NPC nationals figure champion of 2021. (laughs) That is uh, a resume building description if I've ever heard one. I got to ask, and I do want to get into like your entry into bodybuilding because it's a relatively new sport for you, but I also have to ask, you're, you're competing in multiple divisions now. Now that you're a pro in multiple divisions, is there one that you are going to focus on more than the other? Because obviously as the level of competition goes up for anything, things get more competitive, people get more specialized. We see that, you know, 60 years ago, people were competing in bodybuilding and Olympic weightlifting, right? Not really happening so much these days. Mm -hmm. And even in bodybuilding, the more specialized you get or the higher level you get, the more specialized people tend to get. Which class, if any, are you kind of thinking you might focus on more? That's like the million dollar question. A lot of people have been asking me since I got home. So of course, in bodybuilding, we always like to wait till we get the judges feedback. And that usually takes about a month because you need to have your professional stage shots to send to the judges to get their feedback. Because of course, they actually had to judge over 950 people at that competition. So you can imagine they can't remember everybody's body, right? So I'm waiting to get 
Sandy Williamson, I think Sandy Williamson, I think is her name, feedback. She's the head judge for the, the female categories. Um, my heart is telling me to go in the direction of figure competition, which is a little bit of the smaller division that I won the overall in. And that for, is for many reasons. One, I don't feel like growing too much at my age is probably something that I'm interested in. However, I was told by both Miss Olympias at the show, both with the Women's Physique Miss Olympia, Sarah Vegas, and the figure Miss Olympia five-time Sid Gillen, they both were encouraging me to do each of their categories. They both said that I have a viable physique for both. Um, there would just be some minor tweaks. So perhaps the plan will be to go to my first pro show as a figure competitor. And if I'm told I'm a little too big, jump right into the next pro show that same season as a women's physique competitor. My heart really is telling me to keep my heels on and do figure though. I think I think right now, the way I am, if I were to just do a short off-season shred down and do it again, I think I'm still viable as a pro figure competitor a little bit more than a physique competitor. They're, those girls are just really big, and I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> well, I, I, don't, I don't feel... I know that you're someone who goes into anything you do with a lot of intensity, and, and you tend to come well-prepared. So I don't think you'll be embarrassing yourself, but... Um, it's interesting to hear and something that you know, I think a lot of people don't necessarily know about bodybuilding is that feedback you're going to get weeks and weeks after the competition, you might have already kind of lost that, the shreds, so to speak. Oh, right? yeah. You know, you're, about, you're already in your off season again mm -hmm. at that point. Yeah. I mean, I'm there currently because I mean, this show dumped out into Christmas, right? And I'm an American. I celebrate all the holidays over December and January. And for me, I still have one more. I, so as soon as the show was over, I went to the Bahamas for a few days. I ate nothing like on plan in the Bahamas and then came home, cooked a huge Puerto Rican feast for my family on Christmas. And then I'm also half Japanese, which is a huge, New Year's is a huge Japanese holiday. So I have a huge party on Saturday at my house too. So we are deep in the off season already, David. <laughs> The shreds are, are fading by the, the hour. <laughs> Favorite Puerto Rican dish? Oh my gosh. There's the roast that I make on Christmas is called pernil. It's a pork shoulder with like the crispy chicharron on top. Yeah. And <laughs> that's probably one of my favorite foods. And then anything with plantains. I'm obsessed with plantains. I make three different things with them. Favorite. And, and this is maybe opening up a can of worms because... Gosh, Japanese cuisine is is a broad spectrum. Mm. But favorite thing you might eat at a Japanese New Year's party? Okay, so I'm actually Okinawan. And so we have something called oki pork, or some people call it shoyu pork. And it's super salty and just so delicious. Uh, that's one thing. And New Year's, I'm... <laughs> It's so sad. It's not even Japanese, really. It's Japanese American, but I'm going to make a bunch of spam masubis and I'm going to eat a bunch of them. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm sensing a super common trend here, and that's pork. So if you're. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. Both my parents are from tiny islands. Um, one is from Vieques, Puerto Rico, and the other is Okinawan. And both islands really favor pork and fish, but pork. And so I was raised on a lot of, I, my dad and I were just laughing about this. Pork and rice are like my, I think that's what my blood type is. Like pork <laughs> and rice is so sad. <laughs> but yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. 
Well, that's that's fantastic. My mouth is watering. I haven't eaten yet, so uh, that's going to be fixed. No, 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 no. It's 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 all good. And these are we're actually kind of debating because I'm I'm uh, doing New Year's at at home this year for a variety of reasons. So I was debating with my partner like, what are we going to do? Uh, what are we going to get? And uh, we're both we're both big pork eaters. So yes. uh, you might have inspired. You might have inspired. There some you stuff. go. I got some good recipes for y'all. <laughs> I want a hundred percent. The way you describe. The food you make, by the way, I 100% know it's fire and I know it's good. She can cook, dude. She can cook. <laughs> <laughs> I can lift, but I can also cook. I promise you. It's a balance thing. It's all about balance. <laughs> well, you, you are also a power lifter. So we know you can That's eat. That's right. <laughs> we 100% know you can eat. Okay. Last time we chatted, I guess over a year ago, you were, we chatted about a bunch of things. We chatted about donuts and deadlifts. We chatted about running a business. We chatted about uh, your, your power lifting career. What triggered this? And you're not you're not the first person in the space, nor will you be the last, nor are you the only currently to make a very successful transition from powerlifting over to bodybuilding. And I say bodybuilding, I'm talking about men's side, women's side, all of the different classes. What triggered that journey for you? Well, this whole shutdown thing that happened um, a year and a half ago was an interesting time for me because, I, and I think we were actually talking about it last time. The, the gym shutdowns happened here in LA and SoCal right after I had ended a really long powerlifting competition season. So I had ended the very end of 2019 with the best total I'd had so far. Going into 2020, I was thinking, okay, I need a couple months off, a couple months off during the holidays, maybe January. And then February, I'm going to get back into it and I'm going to start prepping because I wanted to do a big meet. Like, showdown or you know one of those paid meets i thought this is my year i'm gonna bench 300 i'm gonna da, 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 da. you know all these thoughts were in my head well then the gym shut down so i had taken a two and a half three month break and then forced to take another three months break and i put on a lot of body fat and i honestly became super depressed my strength had just gone down to nothing I was working with one barbell and like a couple bumper plates in my apartment garage in LA where I'd have to wheel it down with my little like Costco wheel barrel thing that I like my, my basket that we all have in the city when we want to go to Costco or to the grocery store and taking it down in my elevator to my basement garage to lift weights with bands and, and kettlebells and stuff like that. I was basically just exercising for my mental health. Then we moved out to the suburbs um, because T, my husband, also a powerlifter, obviously, um, he was accepted to a medical school out in the suburbs. We moved out in the suburbs, got a big house and built a garage gym and, I, and got a bunch of cardio machines. So I started walking in our neighborhood, started doing cardio in the morning on our machines. And as soon as I started to do cardio and start to melt some fat off, I started to see what I thought maybe kind of, and I, and you had to like squint and kind of hold the fingers together. <laughs> like if I squinted and turned my head to the left a couple degrees, I saw like a little bit of an X frame, which is what we call, you know, the physique shape that you're looking for in um, bodybuilding. And so I took a few weeks of continuing to lose weight just to show T that I, I was serious. And then I finally got the courage to say, Hey, do you think you could coach me into a long-term cut and maybe in a year, maybe a bodybuilding prep? I was so nervous though to say to say that to him. And um, after a little bit of coursing, he agreed. <laughs> so we went on a journey of, of a long cut, which which took a lot of little cuts and maintenance phase, little cuts and maintenance phase, and then about 
June 15th of 2021, I guess this year, right? We finally started an actual bodybuilding prep. That takes a lot of vulnerability to admit that you want to change your goals and you're committing to something to anyone that's compounded if it's your coach. And that's probably extra compounded by another order of magnitude if that's also your husband. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And also someone who was successful in both sports, extremely successful, and also coaches a lot of physique athletes. So, you know, I, I, did not take it lightly, the decision to ask him, because I don't want to waste his time. He's a medical student. He had, at the time, he had about 45 clients himself. And, you know, again, we have pictures of his bodybuilding career all over our garage in our house. We have his trophies, his swords, his medals. So, you know, even though he's my husband and my best friend, I still look up to him and respect him as an athlete and a coach. So I don't want to waste his time. And so I had to really dig deep in myself. And before I even talked to him about it, really ask myself, are you really serious? Because once you hit go, you're not going to stop. You're not going to disappoint him or yourself and waste anyone's time. So it really, I had to really think about it for weeks before I even opened up to my partner about it. Well, okay. How long was your, was that journey from, Hey, I'm doing this, I'm committing to this and I'm expressing this to someone to first competition. Do you have like a a time frame there? So that was probably December of 2020, I guess, the end of 2020, when I said, I can't, it's so hard to even remember. I mean, what, is, what has been time no, the last two years? No, it was way before. <laughs> it was way before. It was because I, I actually had dieted a little bit to go to Hawaii in December of 2020. So it must have been end of summer of 2020. Okay. End of summer of 2020. So a full year and a half ago, at Got least. Um, Which still seems like a, a fantastically quick time to go from, hey, I'm new to this to, oh, I'm a pro in two divisions now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> when you say it, I, I 100% agree. I mean, I, when I'm telling you about how, what has happened in the past two weeks, I'm literally numb because I, I don't even know how this is all. I mean, I know I worked for it and all that good stuff. I'm not delusional, but like it's all happened so rapid fire in the last couple months from the regional show to the national show to pro card and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm in disbelief still, dude. I'm like, sometimes I just pinch myself or I run down to the garage just to look at my trophy. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's really got, that's me. That's my, that's my trophy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that was a big transition in training style. I'm sure from powerlifting to, to bodybuilding. Are you still just training in your garage gym primarily? No, I actually, once I got serious about prep, I started, I actually have like two or three gym gym memberships now. And that's because, you know, machines, basically, Mm -hmm. once you get super deep into prep, like a setting up stuff just to like, you know, rig, like whatever kind of workout you need gets to be exhausting, especially when you're in that deep, deep deficit portion. And then B, some of the machines I just needed to get that higher volume. And I don't have things like a Smith machine in my house um, and a leg press and let's say like an adductor machine. So it's little things, little pieces like that, that I go to the gym for. But I, I am lucky enough to be able to do morning cardio in my house every single day. So I have a step mill and a treadmill and a bike in my house. So yeah, I did, I did change my style 
a little bit. I will say this though, T and I have always trained in what the kids now call power building. We've always emphasized a lot of what also powerlifters call accessories, but you know, we just call it training. We've always emphasized those movements a lot. In fact, T even on his off season did a lot of pre-exhaustion work before he even did the big three stuff. So we've trained a little bit differently than maybe some powerlifters for a long time. So yes, I had to change the way I trained, but not, not reinventing the wheel, maybe just rearranging things and reprioritizing a little bit. For a long time in the beginning of my prep, I did do SBD work. I still benched until probably like 10 weeks out. I took mm-hmm. flat bench out um, and just did incline bench, which I still do. But it, was, it wasn't as crazy of a change as maybe some people would expect. Was there a particular uh, you know, stimulus? It could be a particular set and rep protocol or just a particular type of isolation move where you were really surprised as to how your body was adapting when you had switched over to dedicated bodybuilding training? My, anything to do with my glutes. I had no idea that I had glutes. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think powerlifting, you know, I talked about this on my story recently. In powerlifting, the objective is to move as much weight as possible in the most efficient manner as possible, right? So that means fast, concentric, and whatever muscles work the best, right? Now, some people, not everyone, but a lot of people try to get better on their off season and work on some of those weaker points so that you have a more well-rounded approach to each of those lifts, right? For me, I did a little bit of glute work and off-season powerlifting, but I was very well aware that I moved most of my weight with my back and my quads. That was just what worked for me. So yeah, maybe my sumos weren't, you know, Yuri Belkin and beautiful, but they worked for me, right? So that was the biggest difference was when I was like, okay, cut the BS. Now you really got to grow your glutes. Like you got to really try because you can't just be all quads and traps. If you want to bodybuild, it was phenomenally surprising to see how fast they grew and how effective those movements were when I did them correctly. And when I stopped worrying about the, you know, concentric efficiency of moving weight fast, when I worried about the actual muscle connection and, and firing of the muscle, it was crazy. I mean, my, even my Instagram followers were like, you got a butt. I can't believe it. <laughs> and I have to say my feedback from the judges was that I don't need any more butt and I need to stop working on my glutes. So <laughs> I, I never thought I'd hear the day when a strength athlete who I respect so much said they don't want any more butt. I've never, I've ne- I never thought I'd hear it. I didn't say that. Let's get that for the record. <laughs> I would like as much butt muscle as humanly possible but I'm having to pull back and remember that it's about balance in physique sports. But once this physique sports over, David, we're going full on just Donkey Kong, butt. like it's, it's going to be ridiculous. I want to, I want to hip thrust so much. I'm breaking barbells. You know that's what I mean? Right. Like, that's, like right. that's what I'm, that's what I'm about. You know, I want to do single leg glute bridges with like 300 pounds on I the opposite. Pause, I want to pause sumo deadlifts like 600 when I'm 50. Well, so, well, sumo is cheating. So let's just get that out of the way. But, but it's good for the butt. It's I'm just joking. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm joking. Well, okay. So <laughs> you went from the powerlifting world. Not that you're like out of the powerlifting world. I know that I know that you're still very much involved. Um, but 
obviously powerlifting has the jo- we like to joke on the barbend team and and and, mm-hmm. and we'll joke about like you know oh sumo is cheating oh bench press arch things like that right what are the things in the bodybuilding realm that are like the the highly criticized components it could be about a particular like division or like what are the inside inside jokes or like little petty things between bodybuilders or people outside the world oh between between bodybuilders oh like the average person off the street doesn't know like what doesn't know like you say sumo is cheating they're like i don't know what that means right oh but like a power lifter will find it hilarious um or maybe agree or disagree with you but like in bodybuilding what's that inside baseball Oh, you know, I think I haven't really gotten so deep into the bodybuilding world yet, but I think there's a lot of like food myths Mm. that people make a lot of fun of. Yeah. Or even just even the the typical like, oh, you've got to do fasted cardio or you're going to basically, you know, be a bowl of mush or something like that. That's a myth or but 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 mostly food stuff. Okay, like I'll give you one. I did think of one like tilapia. Period. End of discussion. (laughs) I have heard so many bodybuilders talk about tilapia. Yeah. Like there's these myths that like tilapia, um, and this is going to make no sense for people that don't bodybuild or don't care about it, but that tilapia does something called thin the skin. So it basically just thins your skin and makes you just shredded those last few weeks. And, you know, here's the, the, here's, here's what I have to preface this by. I, I live with a really, really good resource for exercise science and nutrition. So all of these things I already would roll my eyes at before I started bodybuilding, but it is funny to see other people, bodybuilders roll their eyes. So basically people think there's some magic potion inside of white fishes like tilapia, but really the whole gag is, is that coaches prescribe that stuff towards the end because they're really trying to drain all the calories out. Mm -hmm. So tilapia and white fish has no fat. So they're really just trying to give you the, the most amount of, you know, satiation with the least amount of calories. And that's going to be something like a white fish. I prefer mahi-mahi because it's a lot tastier and doesn't taste like poop and tilapia does. Um, But there's been an ongoing thing in the bro science world that tilapia has some magic potion. It just doesn't. It's just fat-free. It's just it's just basically a low calorie protein source. So that's one. And asparagus is another, but asparagus, there's maybe it's a little bit of science behind it, but, but not much. I'm just going to go, I'm just going to start trolling in every bodybuilding account. I follow or can find, I'm just going to post tilapia period and, yeah. and see how many times I get blocked. Just put a little fish emoji and a little poop emoji next to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Amanda, it's been fantastic learning a little bit about about your recent journey in a new sport, and I'm sure there will be lots to come. But for people who want to follow along with you, competitions to come, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, what's the best way to do that? Instagram. I'm still, that's my main source of social media. It's at Hopperican, H-A-P-A-R-I-C-A-N. I don't plan on changing it to like underscore IFBB Pro, just in case <laughs> anyone was wondering. <laughs> I, I think it'd be at IFBB Pro double underscore hop hop Rican double underscore no, no, I'm just no not do double underscore powerlifter. <laughs> well, okay, it is the the original, the original at Hopperican. Amanda, thanks so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure, and I really appreciate Thank it. Thanks for having me.